Let's make one thing clear. As an artist, it's all about the music. It's not about the money. If you look at the bigger names, artists that are well-known, Drake, these young boys who want to emulate them and say, I want his lifestyle. How do you get the message out there to the young kids? If you really want to be the next Drake, think about what he struggled to get to where he's at. Because there's a lot that isn't presented. You never know when this opportunity is going to come up again. So exactly. be smart enough to save because you don't know if there's another show that you'll be casted in. You've got this voice and you want to spread this message. There's a higher power who's giving you the opportunity to do that. Now go out there and do it. Where do you start off with? It starts with the music. Getting your stamp of who you are in the industry. Recording, build those collaborations, put yourself out in social media. If you want to continue in this industry, then you, you need to continue to put yourself out there, but always remember to have something to fall back on. Thank you everyone for joining me on today's show. I'm thrilled to be having with me a husband and wife couple that has been in performing for many years, both from Broadway and in currently in producing music. And I'd like you to welcome Dorothy and Johan Kamat to the show. Thank you both for coming out. Oh, thank yeah. you for having us. Thank you so much. It's awesome to have you guys on. We've been friends for a long time, and yes. this is a good time for us to catch up because I haven't seen you guys, and it feels like 10 years. You yeah. look the same yeah. except for the couple of gray hairs here that, <laughs> that I'm also getting, so it's a reminder that yeah, you can't beat father, father time. Exactly. It just shows wisdom. Exactly. At the end of the day. Exactly. That's what he likes to call it, wisdom. Is that all the years of exactly? Well, I'm excited to talk to you about your guys' career because we never actually sat down to get all the juicy details. I've heard parts of it over the over time, but I'm really excited to get that information from you and more so to get it out there for everybody else to know that, especially if you want to be an artist or a performer or an actor, it's easy to look at those careers and see the good side of them, but then behind the scenes, how much work is involved, how you have to start, right. how you really don't make a lot of money in the very beginning because you're just trying to get your name out there, and just kind of overall your experience with that. So without taking too much time on my, my side, why don't you go ahead and give me like a quick spiel about who you guys are and where you've been, and we'll go from there. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, I'm Dorothy, and um, the... My whole experience of um, my background in performing, I actually started at a very young age, and it was, um, I was involved in dance, and music was always in my family background growing up as a Filipino-American. Um, so when I was at a young age of six, my mom was approached by a family member, or actually a, a friend from school, my um, kindergarten friend from school, um, shout out to the McGraths. Um, she had told my mom, there's this show for kids um, that's auditioning in San Francisco, and they're looking for orphans for Annie, the musical. So my mom, not knowing, and a single mother, decided, okay, well, I'll just go. It seems like Dorothy has the background to just do it, and she sings and she dances. So long story short, got a call back, ended up going to New York, and then booking a role as Molly for um, the Broadway show. So we spent um, about six to seven months in New York, and then um, it closed afterwards. So I closed the Broadway musical. Um, and then throughout the years, I had an agent. I did a, other Broadway shows, but more of tours. So um, traveled to L.A., um, did the King and I out here in San Francisco as well. 
with the late Yul Brynner. Not a lot of people will know who Yul Brynner is unless you're older than me or understood like Western movies of um, that he did in the past. So that is my background. Um, I then auditioned when I was in my senior year of high school for a musical called Miss Saigon and didn't think anything of it. I actually cut class <laughs> and yeah. thought, oh, I'm going to just go do this because I haven't auditioned for a while. Mind you, I haven't been doing shows or anything. My mom wanted me to concentrate on school. And even though I still continued dance and singing on the side, it was just something to do. I just thought, I'm just going to audition to see what it's, this is going to be like because it hasn't. I haven't done it. I haven't practiced it for a while. And then it got me a call back to Toronto, um, which then I landed the role. My mom found out. And because I was a minor then and still in high school, they had to let her know and ask for permission in order to cast me in the show. Mm. So when she said yes to it, that's when she told me about the situation and and um, she asked me if I wanted to take it. And I said yes. <laughs> She understood. Mm -hmm. She knew that it was a one-time opportunity. And because my mom also had a background with music and performing, and I was her only kid, she thought, well, because I've gone through this route before with her, and now that she is a young adult, I have, I think she just felt more comfortable for me to do it and not to pass it up. So she supported me and then that's where I met this guy <laughs> this one who am I who are you gosh um, <laughs> this was Toronto right yeah this was Toronto yeah. yeah and you're you're from Canada correct yes originally born uh, in Montreal Quebec born and raised gotcha yeah so how did you get into the uh, acting sphere and then how did it lead to you guys meeting in Toronto honestly it was the luck of the draw I've never been in musical theater before. I really didn't know what it was. I didn't know the culture of musicals. Um, I just loved dancing and singing R&B, hip-hop music. Um, back in the early 80s, you know, uh, evolving into the 90s, it was always break dancing. It was always pop and locking. It was always the running man. So I was so involved with uh, dancing and singing and soulful music coming from church. Um, I would have never thought the opportunity would come along in musical theater. But there was one time, see with me, I was very avid in associ association gatherings. So of course, I would always sing and, and dance for different types of association, more uh, focus along the West Indian Association of Montreal. And from that point forward, having to like perform um, and just spend a lot of my time you know, singing cover R&B songs, my father was a little bit concerned. He was like, you know, you have such a talent, but are you doing anything about it rather than just performing? Mm. Like, are you making this an opportunity for yourself elsewhere? And I said, well, I mean, I'm, I'm too young, you know, to even figure out exactly what it is that I want to do. I mean, I do love music. And that's what I was born and raised with is just listening to music all day until my father said, well, listen, showed me a newspaper ad of an open call to, of course, the musical Miss Saigon. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was about. We ended up going um, and I sung a tune and then all of a sudden, there we go. 
uh, all of a sudden I got that opportunity to come back. They called me back. Um, from that point forward, I flew out to Toronto with my father and that was it. Like, I mean, after that one audition, um, they just looked at me because I was somebody that was outside of the box from what they usually saw, mm. which is a cast of, you know, professional performers or experienced performers. Whereas for me, I was just that free spirited artist that they loved to see in terms of dancing, in terms of my style of voice. And because of that, they gave me an opportunity to be part of the ensemble for Miss Saigon. That's awesome. Yeah. And in these industry or in that industry, especially in the early 2000s, late 90s, is that where we're at? Right. Was it more just common that you were, you're supposed to go to these, you know, performer schools and you get that credential and then you go and apply for the, these careers or really is a matter of you just have raw talent and then come and audition. This is how you get your name made is through that way. Well, so I, I would say both. Yeah. Because, you know, um, you have all of these sources like dance schools, um, voice coaches, you know, um, those that are before they graduate from high school, right? Like high school, at least when we went to high school, we didn't have classes in school that were arts in that direction, right? Mm -hmm. So it was what you can find outside of it. Now, I think what we have in common is that our families always had music in our background so we grew up singing so it came naturally for us and when we when our families find opportunities in this situation like what we auditioned for um it, it depends on the description of it too so just to give a background of like musical theater for those who are interested or don't really understand what a process is like or what they're looking for too. Um, with a show like Miss Saigon, they were looking for a lot of Asian actors because this show is about the, um, it's a love story that happens in um, Vietnam in the last few um, weeks of the war, right? So it's, um, and it was beautifully done um, there's not a lot of choreography that you would expect in another musical, let's say like something like 42nd Street, which is very, um, um, you have to be a required dancer, yeah. you know, mm. a well-rounded dancer, um, as well as a strong vocalist. Correct. But with a show like Miss Saigon, our background of music, and as long as we could move well or have a bit of dance background, you are fit to audition for. So um, you didn't have to have major credentials is what I guess I'm saying with gotcha. a show like this, okay? But does it help? Of course. So yeah. thinking about it now and talking to people who are going to school for to become a perfor performing artist, whether it's in theater, straight plays, musicals, TV, whatever it is that they utilize their talents towards their degree, it is always something that you should consider because you're learning from the basic tools in order to understand how to be a better artist. But it is your responsibility as an artist to continue exercising and finding the tools to be the, the one that stands out. 
Mm. Right. Okay. So, um, with us, I guess we stood out in what was familiar to us that we were encouraged, go do this because we know you have the potential and whether or not we didn't, you know, if we didn't know what the turnout was going to be, like I said, I went and auditioned. I cut class <laughs> to go to an audition, not expecting to stay back and be called back to do another dance routine mm. for the creative team, you know? Um, and like him, he didn't know well, when he got called back. You didn't know, right? But then you look at the generation today, mm-hmm. right? And it's, you've got to have a triple package. And at the same time, yeah. they have more of a, you know, an up when it comes to having that opportunity. Why? Because they don't necessarily need to have an agent these days. People are utilizing social mm-hmm. media in, in the growth of data analytics, the amount of followers, how you're managing your social media in order to get your word out, in order to get yourself out. Mm-hmm. With us, I think, um, you know, we needed somebody to represent us. But at the same time, we had those opportunities of casting calls. Um, and as long as we went regularly and auditioned, yes, it's a dime a dozen. But at that time, it wasn't really about quadruple package, mm. right? It was... If you can sing, great. If you can move into beat, great, Mm -hmm. right? But now you look at all these trained dancers who are like 18 and up, right? And they're bonafide in terms of what they do as a dancer or even a vocalist. So is the competition higher these days? Absolutely. Yeah. But, But at the same time, but at the same time, they have the tools without having to sit down and wait for an agent to represent them. They have the tools to go out there and make a following. Yes. Create a following. Well, I definitely want to get into that more. Uh, yeah. Before I get too far, I want to ask you about this too. Uh, Filipino-American, Filipino-Canadian, correct? Uh-huh. Correct. This is back in the 90s too. Sort of what was the expectation of what you thought your life was, was going to be like? Did you grow up as a young kid thinking that performing was going to be a career? Were you kind of told that I'm supposed to follow a certain path here? And how did I break that mold? What was that, you know, conversation like? Okay. Oh, man. man. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And how... Johan, I'm going to have you move the microphone a little bit up like that. Sure. There we go. Um, That'll help out. Cool. I okay. think for me, I didn't know what I wanted to do after high school. Um, and as a Asian American, there was expectations, obviously, of like, Going, in a, going towards a career that was successful because that's what we were told. Um, but because my mom, she was also a music teacher um, and she always encouraged me to, to have, um, she always was supportive of my, of my background in what I did. And she was always there, any dance recitals, any competitions, um, she was one that would have like, you know, a cassette tape of music whenever we're at family parties. And while she's playing mahjong, she's like, oh, go, go. There's a karaoke, go sing. And it's like, what <laughs> I want to play with kids, you know? Um, yeah. But at the same time, these opportunities that were presented to us, I think we, we just had families that were just encouraging to say and supportive to say, do it. It's that once in a lifetime moment. 
yeah. opportunity. Mm. Why not, right? And I think the difference between him and I in the sense of us doing it was um, I already had that background. So like I said, my mom kind of knew what to expect. Mm -hmm. Was she nervous about me moving to a whole different country at age 17? Didn't know what to expect. I think at that point she said, you know, did the sign of the cross and said, God be with you, <laughs> you know, but also was like very supportive and said, well, we'll make it work, you know, and, um, and, and luckily we were part of a, a group, um, a production that was understanding in that sense, because we weren't the only Asians that were hired, right? That were casted, I should say. We were two of many Asians that were casted that were we were all in the same age group mm. you know surprisingly right yeah some of yeah. us not all of us there was one there has been or there was um cast members that have been doing this for years that was their career yeah okay that was their career they were in their late 20s they were in their early 30s and this was like maybe their fourth show under their belt on their resume yeah where this was his first one. This was my fourth one, but my first one as a young adult. So you can envision that energy between experienced performers yeah. and as well as Very young. Very immature. Immature, <laughs> first Not time. knowing, is this a hobby? Let's is build this, a family, you know? let's all go out. Because back then it was like a crew of 90210 folks, yeah, right? Yeah, for us, this <laughs> was like our college. That was like, That yeah, was our that time of like what college should have been for us. Yeah. So... I didn't know that this was an opportunity to have a career out of it. And luckily, I actually lasted in the industry for about seven years after, you know? Yeah. Um, which is a long time for an Asian actor in musical theater because it's hard. Um, back then, that was the only show that hired, that you weren't the token Asian. Mm. that was hired gotcha. okay so when you think about other musicals if you ever watched a musical and you saw an asian in it that was the token asian that every asian that is going to audition is like i need that that's the part i want yeah. right mm. because that's how the casting is going to be done they always want it to be diverse so there's always that token nation. <laughs> that was the way that they saw it back then is, well, we back need to then. fill this role, so this person will do. Well, not necessarily we need to fill this role. Remember, you have to have the requirements for it. So if they feel that you were the it factor, you had the dance background, you had the vocals, you can, um, you know, do the role the way it needs to be. Like, for instance, Rent. Rent is another musical that actually has... A Asian girl casted. Her name is Lexi Darling. And that role was, I think, specifically meant for an Asian to be casted in. So every production that I saw, that I saw friends that did it, there was always that, that Lexi Darling was always that Asian character. So it was casted for Asians, but that was the token Asian role in a musical like that. Mm. Right? How about that? So, Never would have seen it that way. Yeah. yeah. What is your lifestyle like when you're in these these roles? Because we really, really talked about the money that you actually make. Like, 
if you're a new, if you're a young person who's thinking about wanting to do this one day, obviously you see what the show is. You see all the pop and circumstances, but you don't see what happens when the cameras are off. You don't see the days off. You don't see where people live. What is that lifestyle like? Is it is it enough money to survive off of? Are you sharing like you know an apartment with like four or five other the actors? How does that daily life actually work? That's exactly it, Mike. All right, we just that's yes. exactly it. Second. I mean, at 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 eighteen years old, nineteen years old, independence, right? You're not living under the roof of your parents. Um, you can make your own calls, but of course, with us, we were very picky. We were picky of the people that we built relationships with because. Where we come from, it's always family, family, family. Mm-hmm. And the bond um, will definitely move forward into building relationships where they have that same frame of mind. Mm-hmm. So with us, it was always building great friendships and bonding and at the same time um, living together like a family. And yes, uh, sometimes each and every one of us would have like two to three roommates in that one apartment. But to have that camaraderie of being involved, other than just musical theater, but being involved with your friends in so many great activities, especially for me, because I've been to Toronto, Ontario many of times. But at the same time, to live was a new experience for both Dorothy and I. And when we were there, we were right in the heart of the city. We were in the financial district of Toronto at the time. We were living in King and Niagara. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were living in Jarvis mm-hmm. at the time. But Toronto has so much of that opportunity. Can you imagine what Toronto is like now? Back mm. then, in 93, there was so much to do. It was like the New York of Canada, right? right. Yeah. So for us, we wanted to take advantage of everything. We wanted to record. We wanted to build a studio. We wanted to create our own music. We wanted to go out there in the public and perform with an actual boy group back in the day. Um, and so that's how it evolved for me. And the experience that Dorothy had being surrounded with people who were just, you know, true spirited artists um, definitely inspired and motivated her as well. And the core of our friends that were hanging out with us. So Our lifestyle was independent, but at the same time, this um, kind of catapulted into what do I want to do now since I'm making the money, you know? So let's point that part out because um, as when you book a show, Mm -hmm. when you get casted, um, you can make a good amount from a paycheck. Um, There's a difference between um, booking a show um, that's sitting in a city like Broadway or for our case Toronto right. compared to touring which we both also have the experience in too mm-hmm. um, a lot of people like to tour because you get the per diem on top of your salary so as young kids like after Toronto for me when I toured I was making like almost two grand a week at like 20 that's crazy you know but the thing is, back then, at 20 years old and you're making that much money, you're like, oh my God, what can I do with so this? So easy to shop. It is so, so easy, easy to, to oh, yeah. you, know. you know. So I think knowing what I did then, now, it was like, of course, like if, if it was my daughter in that position, of course, and not to say that my mom didn't give me the same advice, but it was like... Um, 
you never know when this opportunity is going to come up again. So be smart enough to save because you don't know if there's another show that you'll be casted in. Because just because you get casted in one show doesn't guarantee you that you'll be casted in the next one that you audition for. And that's the tricky part about being a performer. Okay, because you can have the credentials, you can have the degree in this industry, but sometimes this industry isn't as what you think it would be. I have friends who've been in this industry for decades. I have um, a family member that has done, I think he has like eight Broadway shows under his belt, Mm. but he's always been consistent on auditioning, and that's the other thing. It's um, so it, it it's always different for everybody, but it it you know just depends on the situation. Um, yeah. So it, it can be discouraging, but it can also be encouraging, right? Depending on the situation, um, and the continuance of your strive, your passion for it. Yeah. And I think that if those who want to go in that direction of of being in theater, being in you know musical theater, and they um, are continuing to struggle to find that role. Don't quit, you know, because you just never know. Our opportunities came knocking on our door very unexpectedly, mm-hmm. and I think that's just the thing: is don't give up. Just don't give up because it's and you and now these days you can performers have a way of utilizing their talents other places to be known and to grow, you know? Um, well, and so, it's, it's yeah. falling back to what you had said, being in the industry, you have that one opportunity and that one opportunity, all of a sudden you assume, okay, this is it. This is my life. This is my career. This is going to be for the long haul, right? When you get that one opportunity, but as to, um, Dorothy's, um, comment when it's done, and when your contract is up, then you're back to square one. Mm-hmm. So it's persistence. You got to stay persistent. You got to stay consistent with anything that you are auditioning to, you know, in. Because, of course, you'll never know when those opportunities are going to come. But at the same time, you have to accept the fact that it's, it's a competitive market. And you'll have others who might be stronger as a vocalist or a dancer than you. Mm-hmm. So that lull of time should be productive like you should be practicing you should be rehearsing you should be taking classes if you're not really a strong dancer geez take a dance class probably twice a week to enhance your you know just your physique but at the same time to be stronger in what you're trying to achieve as a dancer this uh, this thing that you guys have been talking about, it opens up so many other conversations that can split off here. Yeah. And just thinking about some of the bigger ones that a lot of young people, 18, 19, or in your case, 17, when you, when you started, might think about. One, it's always going to be the, the money. They look at the paycheck. Is this going to pay me a lot of money? Another thing is, too, are the roles available for me? What I want to do? Am I, do I have the the wherewithal at 18 or 19 to, to think that this might be a good role for me if I travel with this one show? But does that role mean I'm good for this other show? And if not, how do I adjust to that? And then also, one thing that I wanted to get into here is trying to form relationships at that, that age. Because you're trying to decide between your, your career and where it's taking you. 
But then also, if you're trying to develop relationships, which is what I wanted to get into with, with you guys specifically, is and you've been married for, what, 15? Correct me, how many years? 24, 24 years. 24 years. <laughs> Way off on that one. <laughs> and, you, and you did this in an industry where... Pretty much, if you wanted to follow it, you know, you may be in a show that says, hey, we're touring the U.S. or we're touring Europe. And you might be in a show that's like, no, we're um, we have a, de- a dedication to performing in this city for six, six months. And how do you really balance that? And how do you really figure out where I should make that dis- the decision from? What are your thoughts about it? And how did you guys decide how to work with that? Dude, like <laughs> Mike has studied us prior to this interview. <laughs> You cut okay. Well, that's so, because he knows us. I yeah. remember. I remember but, like the stories about Germany. Which yeah, is, I want to get into that one. Oh yeah. Oh gosh, we oh, have so gosh. many stories. I mean, okay. So the thing is, we're we're very. Um, our relationship is very unique because um, being married for that long. Okay, and prior to us being married, we were together. Our relationship started very quickly when we met each other in Toronto. So month after we met each other at the meet and greet of Miss Saigon. A month later, we were already dating, right? Yeah. But the cool thing was we had a group of friends that we always hung out with. So it was just never really us. It was all of us. But we were just more intimate with each other because we had that attraction. Um, Our relationship lasted because throughout the years just like every relationship you have your roller coasters of differences and you go through um you know especially at a very young age there was moments where we didn't we weren't together we like broke up because we thought it was difficult it was difficult because i was on tour he was in germany and it and we were young that we were like we need to make sure that if if what is it that we're missing out there whether it's meant for us to find out as individuals or is that were we meant to be with someone else like were we destined to be together you know um we were dependent on each other in toronto because we saw each other every day but we truly had a relationship because we also had so much in common you know um and again our group of friends is what kept us tight too so um there was a lot um, between us in the sense of like... Yeah, it was really challenging. Yeah, I mean, especially... Was. And I have to say, if there was any one show that definitely kept a longevity in our career, it was the Cameron McIntosh's production of Miss Saigon. Yeah. Because not only have we stuck around in Toronto, Mike, but we traveled all around the world doing this. You already know I've spent about five years of my life in Germany, you know, doing the engineer role. And so with that, it gave me a sense of, wow, I can open up my mind with this production, but at the same time, open up uh, different things in my life, like learn different things in my life, especially a language and a culture that I would have never thought I would be a big part of right going to Germany and having the opportunity and singing German and and um, you know just feeding in the German culture and building relationships with people out there in Germany but with Dorothy and I it was always a challenge because she started off with the first national tour I was in Toronto right just finishing off my con- contract with Miss Saigon but at the same time, at that age, I was like always questioning, what's, what's Dot doing? Who is she hanging out with? 
you know, and it, and yeah, it those ends insecurities up becoming, coming, come up, it. you yeah. know, just because like, so for those to better understand when there was like different companies of Miss Saigon happening because it was so popular. So there was the national tour, there was the European shows, there was even, I even experienced the second national tour. Um, so it's, you know, when you're touring, you have different people that you're working with. You're creating newer relationships, friendships. Um, he would come and visit me on tour. Um, he actually proposed on tour. North Carolina. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, North Carolina North. was where it happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All places. Oh my gosh, that yeah. was a funny experience too. But, um, and I would go visit him in Germany. So we got to know the people that we worked with. And, um, but I think for us, we also just kept an open mind, right? Because we always just wanted to make sure that we supported one another, but we always wanted to have that understanding of we're friends first because this is the only way we're going to support each other in an industry that is similar or, you know, the yeah. same, but just in a different setting, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, it was hard though. It was like, very I mean, hard. it was very, very Long challenging. Relationships are not easy yeah. unless you have a trust and unless you, um, allow your significant other to enjoy the life that they have. If you're always, questioning or bickering or have that insecurity of yourself there's no way the relationship would have lasted as long yeah. as it did while we were doing the things that we love to do and keep in mind there was a time that dorothy and i separated uh when we were in miss saigon and it was just the was way hard. it was back then like you know she was so focused on her work she was so focused on traveling and we kind of made a pact that, you know, if it's meant to be, we'll reunite again. Mm -hmm. um, but let's be realistic here. You're yeah. traveling miles away and I'm still in Toronto doing a few off-Broadway shows here, working on my music here, um, just caught up with the people who were in Miss Saigon um, who have ventured with me uh, in this production company of creating music and recording. So our, our life started you know, splitting apart and we understood that, but we also accepted the fact that, okay, if we take a break, you know, and, and one day if ever we meet again, um, I'm sure our relationship is going to grow stronger. Well, here's one thing I wanted to ask you regarding how you guys grew up and sort of expectations. I mean, it, the, the, the world has changed now just in the 20 or 30 right. years since you guys have been doing this. You know, like Dorothy, when you were like in your early 20s and you were thinking you were following this career and then you guys decided to get engaged. But before that, were you ever either did you get pressure or were you telling yourself, you know, maybe I should, uh, you know, the parents want me to get married and have kids now or whatever. And did that ever play a role when you were trying to follow your, your, your career? Were you getting pressure from either outside family or maybe even in talking to yourself, like, is this what I want to do or should I do this? How are you balancing that? I think it's something that a lot of young girls today are trying to figure out as they follow their career. It's like, you know, how do I process that information? So you have a good perspective on that. Yeah. yeah. So I was very fortunate that my family never pressured me on this is how it should go other than, well, I think you should go in the medical field or, you know, the traditions of what the success would be. But 
to start a family, to go in that direction because of the age that I was at and not continuing with an education. Um, I really was lucky that my mom never really pressured me in the sense of like, well, when are you, when are you gonna give me grandbabies? When are you gonna, you know what I mean? Like that was never a question in my household. Whereas some Asian families definitely do and mm -hmm. I totally understand. But I guess um, the ultimate thing for on my end and for me, I and I continue this, even though I have structure in my life now, I have priorities in my life now, I still have a free spirit in the sense of um, just kind of putting my faith out there of I don't know what my purposes I don't know what my destination is or you know what is meant to be for me so I kind of just put that up in the air to see what how it develops so my younger years when I was you know um 20 and realized okay is that is that what it's supposed to be like it never really was a question because I was surrounded by people who didn't have that mentality yet you know um a lot of performers when they, um, especially the ones that I worked with, not a lot of them were married yet. Yeah. Okay. So, um, did they have relationships? Yes. Um, were some of their spouses on tour with them? Sometimes. Um, so for me, there wasn't really examples of like, this is how it should be, you know? Um, but I was surrounded by people who were family. Um, some of them traveled with their kids. You know, so I had um, the ability to grow up with families and watch their kids grow or even offer to take care of their kids, you know. So that was a really cool experience in the sense of remembering what my family background was like and how I grew up in an Asian family, you know. Right. Um, but then again, I feel like I grew, I continue to grow up in an Asian family because of the show is, is based with a bunch of Asians. <laughs> put it, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but no, it was never a pressure for me. Now, for those who feel that, it's really your, it's really under your control. I have friends that have been in the industry who have raised their families and still continue to be in the industry and successful. But still again, today. it's, yeah. yeah. But it is the understanding of both spouses of, I support you in this and you support me in this. We make it work and try to still have a normal type of lifestyle for our kids' sake, right? So I think for those in the age of like trying to figure out, well, am I supposed to follow this path because this is how my family expects me? Like at this age, I should have graduated already. This age, I have to be married. This age, I have to have family. You're in control of it, you know? And there's always time. I feel like get your get yourself situated and do what you need to do now for yourself. Before for yourself. you can settle down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Be and and hopefully you have that significant other that supports you in what you do and doesn't question what what it should be like for us. I mean, have that common understanding of that talk of, do we want family? Do we want kids? How is this going to work? And I think, like us, we have that open communication, you know. We only have one child. 
we wish we had more, but we, I think the way that we had our life, like before, when we got married, we still waited like six years to even have our daughter because we weren't done with enjoying us still in the industry. And that's hard to balance too, because like it was said earlier, you don't know what other opportunities you have in this industry. You just continue to keep auditioning and growing as an artist. You know, for him, he was working on his music, you know. But I never questioned, when are we going to have kids? When are we going to settle down? It was never a question for us. I think it would just develop the way it did organically. Yeah. And I think that is the advice I would probably say to those young um, adults who are thriving in the industry and picture themselves saying, well, I wish I had that normal life to have a family because whether it is other friends starting their careers and their families and you're kind of left behind, it's like, dude, then be left behind. It's okay because you have so much time to enjoy everything else. Do what you need to do for yourself first. And if it means being that, being in that spotlight for you, in this industry, then do it, you know, do that because you'll have the support. You'll know when it's right to transition to being a parent, transition to doing something different, whether it's still in the industry or not. But I think now that I know, it's like, do what you got to do, especially in this industry, because you never know, you yeah. never know. But the, but the key word though, Mike, is support. You know, if you yeah, don't have yeah. the support from your significant other and you have established a relationship and they think differently of what you're doing, then it's honestly never going to work out. Yeah. So if you're Good confident there, yeah, yeah, if you're confident uh, with the relationship and regardless of how preoccupied and engulfed you are in your work, just as long as you have your significant other having your back. That's all that matters, you mm -hmm. know, whether it's distance or whether you're in the same town, but yet doing two different shows or you're just artists involved in so many different projects. As long as you have that support, that's all that matters. And then it will come together later down the line in the future. Yeah. And that comes with your parents, too. You know, parents, they just want what's best for their kids. And I don't know, maybe there's some parents who use their kids as, you know, um, platforms to shine. And that's their <laughs> prerogative. But I think for that individual, it's like, if you have the talent and you know that you are a dime a dozen, then just do your thing. Because you will have the opportunity of somebody knocking on your door saying, I saw you in this and I think you would be good for this. Mm-hmm. Well, what Why got you guys to transition? Because as your careers developed in, in Broadway and all the shows, what made you transition? You especially on to mm -hmm. saying music is where I want to focus on. That's my town. That's the road that I want to take control of. What did you first get that inkling of? And then you, Dorothy, when you decided, you know, this is it was a great career. I'm transitioning to, to something else. How did you guys balance all that? Well, I was completely motivated already while being in Miss Saigon. I was working with, you know, uh, two amazing and talented individuals, Sam Geronco and Romeo Candido at the time. And we were just bouncing, you know, ideas off of each other. 
um, and harmonies and really discussing matters of what's our influence in the R&B scene. So instead of just talking about it, why don't we do it? And from that point forward, I remember, you know, Sam had his own little studio set. Romeo had his own studio set. So we were always involved after work. After a show, we were always writing. We were always, you know, recording uh, original music. Um, We collaborated with some great producers back in the day that inspired us. So from that point forward, it moved you know, into this is our plan. This is the game plan after Miss Saigon. No matter how long we're going to stay in Miss Saigon, this is exactly what we intend to do. And it grew to two of our other brothers, Bobby Jeronco and Jason Komat, who's my brother. And it, it, it you know, evolved into this, um, this amazing machine of artists who sound very soulful and who are unconventional in terms of what they wanted to do as artists. They didn't want to be like anybody else. Um, And we wanted to have a different sound. And we were studying and doing as much research as possible to incorporate that sound until the end of, you know, our opportunities doing musical theater. It just evolved into doing more writing projects, recording projects, music videos, Um, And it's just that common life of being an inspired artist, you know what I mean? And so with me, that's exactly how I continued on, was just listening to new artists coming of age and then uh, getting ideas to create my own sound, my own vocal take in terms of soulful music and R&B. And it worked fantastically having the relationship with these Uh, amazing men who um, always inspired me to do the things that I need to do to become a well-rounded, you know, singer. And still to this day, you know, I'm always turning to them for advice. We still do projects together. It's given me an opportunity to open doors for, you know, uh, open doors of opportunity for myself, um, collaborating with different producers, different artists here in the Bay Area, and, and, of course, out in the East Coast. Um, so, yeah, it was just that moment of always staying hands-on musically mm-hmm. and creatively while I was doing the show. So when you're doing this, how do you consistently stay motivated? Because, like we talked about earlier, this kind of career, unless you're just that unicorn, diamond in the rough person that just gets discovered by Usher one day and now you're, you've taken off, like Justin right. Bieber, and everything's like... On your, you're on a pedestal. For most artists, it's a long grind to get your talent down, right. to get your information out there, to get your name out there. So how do you process that when you're going through days where you easily probably could have said, this isn't worth it anymore. I should go do this job here and make a stable salary and then continue on my life there. How are you dealing with all that? Just, just staying productive. Honestly, uh, in many different directions of being an artist, whether it's going to be performing on stage, getting as many gigs as possible. Um, Social media management is a big factor, especially in this generation today. Um, And just keep listening to music, not necessarily one demographic. You want to be able to listen to different types of artists who inspire you in more of a songwriting level, because now it's about songwriting. It's Mm -hmm. about 
getting your stamp of who you are in the industry. Um, and, and it's, you know, ever so competitive. So you have to consider that. What is it? Uh, and that's something that Dorothy and I had talked about while coming here. You know, it's like, how do we keep consistent? Well, part of keeping consistent is going out there, you know, recording, build those collaborations, put yourself out in social media, put your posts out in terms of like how you feel about the music industry today and how's that elevated, you know, your sense of motivation. Um, introducing the new singles that are coming out, which has been a blessing for me because I've been collaborating with so many great Bay Area artists and producers that it's built this continuity of opportunity. Um, and, you know, I want to keep that maintained for as long as I can, um, both in the performing level and both in, in home, you know, recording sessions. Um, building projects is the only way where you're going to build that momentum. Mm. And if you just sit down hoping that there's going to be something offered on a silver platter, then you might be, you're probably crazy because it takes a lot of hard work to get your name out there. Exactly. And then, you know, Dorothy, how, how are you supporting Johan doing this? Because this is a, a long grind and yeah. there, are, there are days where maybe the paychecks that are coming in just, you know, it can be a struggle some, some days. Mm-hmm. So like, do you have any advice for spouses or people who are supporting somebody else who's doing a similar industry where um, how do you actually get your stuff out there and how do you support them in doing that when, you know, you may say, hey, I, I got bills to pay or we have bills to pay or where is this going or you're never home to see whatever it is. How do you process all that? Yeah. So back in the day when we were younger and he and um, he had the opportunity here in the Bay Area with um, the gentleman that he had mentioned, that was a huge concern, you know, because we didn't have the jobs that we have now where we are um, we're comfortable to enjoy doing what we're doing now so back then it was hard it was very um you know here and there of like okay I can only support so much because I can't be the one paying the bills Mm -hmm. so it had to deal with a lot of patience definitely um but because music was always as, as we said in our background, I never once told him you need to stop and do something that needs to help us. There was always that support on my end saying, how can we make this work? You know, because mm. I can't imagine him stopping what he loves to do. And I would, he would never do the same for me. He would never say, you need to not do that anymore. You know, if we saw a passion that we love to do as individuals, we always made it a point to support one another. Didn't matter anything else. And I think now looking back, um, I'm glad that we continued to support that decision. Um, And because of that, this came out of it where now we can, he can still continue to record, but it's not about making the money off of it it's about as an artist there's so much that i want to utilize in my talent not just an outlet but just to continue to stay creative 
So for me as a performer, how could I say stop doing what you're doing? I think that would be more of a selfish thing and, and realize that I don't want him to continue to be the artist that he is. I married him for that, you know, so it kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's good to ask that because, and you guys know we live in Silicon Valley and mm-hmm. tech jobs around here with how much these salaries pay at Google and Facebook if you're in the right spot. Yeah. It can be very easy for people to say, well, I need to stay in, the, in, the, in this job because it pays the bills. I have this nice house. I have the family. So I'll just deal with the job that I have now because it pays the bills. And for them to be able to say, I wish I could go do what I really want to do. But I know if I do that, then, you know, I may not be making a lot of money. So they just don't even really process that. Mm-hmm. And for you to be able to say that I've still wanted to follow my passion, what I really wanted to do, and that because you guys are on the same page, you're able to communicate about how your life is going to be. Whereas if you were somebody that said, no, I, you need to go make this amount of money. I don't care if you work at Google or if you work as, you know, a sanitation worker, I, we need the money for the, for the family. And it puts you in a spot to say, am I giving up on my future, my career, what I really want to do just to make the money. And a lot of people just say, you know, it's easier for me just, just to get the paycheck that I need to make the right. family work instead of doing what I really want to do. And that might be at the heart of why so many people, there's a lot of reasons, but why a lot of people are stressed out mm-hmm. because maybe they're stuck somewhere because of the cogs that are going and the way the life is going and they just don't really have the opportunity to explore what they really want to do. And they kind of feel like they don't have control over what they're doing. They're just sort of caught up in the machine and this is where it's going. And my family loves it. But deep down, it's like, am I really doing what I really want to do? And to to see you guys actually be able to figure out a way through it is inspiring for me. And I'm sure it's inspiring for a lot of people who do watch or hear this, that you can still follow what you want to do. If you're both on the same page, you can work together to make sure the finances where you can make sure that the people do that you both have the time to go and pursue what you want to do so that you ultimately end up happier in a relationship. I mean, you're not that much, much older than, than me and you're in great shape, both of you. Thank you. you know, I see people Thank who are young, younger than me and they're balding and then they're like, <laughs> the, the like, stress on the face. What happened and, to you? Exactly. <laughs> and then you, you sort of ask me, you're like, oh, you're just following the grind. Like, oh, what am I going to do? Yeah. But that's the thing. What am I going to do? So you need to, you know, as an individual, I think you need to step back and, re- and reassess your life at that point and figure out how to make it work where you can still do the grind, but have the ability to have the time to do what you love to do. Even if it's like an hour a day, you know, two hours a week, you make that work and then you build it. So there was a point where he wasn't recording anymore. And that was when COVID happened. Right. Um, and I had touched base with him. I'm like, we're on lockdown. You need to do something. Yeah, this like, is the best job. This is the best yeah. time. Take out your equipment. Just start, you know, reach out to your connections. What can you do as an artist to get, to use this as an outlet? Because this is a perfect time to be creative and to speak your mind about what's going on. And I think it would be healthy for you and for our relationship to utilize that platform. And that's where it all kind of began to where he is now, right? And yeah. so I see this success unfold to where we are pre- during this present time. And because it wasn't, well, I got to do it to get money for it. It was more of like, okay, well, let me take baby steps and trying to see what this 
can become. And he reached out to the right people and the, the ones who supported him saying, yeah, let's just, let's just collaborate. And, that and was let, probably the best thing. Let's make one thing clear. As an artist, uh, you know, I don't know how everybody else thinks when they're, um, when they're an ongoing artist and they're trying to put their name out there. But for me, it's all about the music. It's not about the money. Right. I'm inspired each and every single day listening to all these various artists who are out there, whether they're in social media or whether they're on the radio station. Um, I'm open to listening to anybody right in the music industry. And of course, our daughter, because she's much more knowledgeable in terms of today's generation of music. So we like to pick her brain because at our age, it's kind of like. You know, we got to get with the times, technologically, the style, the culture Material, of today, and, and the outlets that could help put our name out there. And if we're not technically savvy, well, guess who we turn to? Hey, our daughter. You have no right? idea. I mean, you're definitely speaking truth on that one. By the way, anybody who's watching or listening, if you like the show, please like it and subscribe to the channel so you can continue getting updates on this. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can probably figure out now that the reason why Johan is wearing his headphones that way is because this is somebody who's in the studio a lot. Yeah. And this is how you learn where I only do this to the show. So this is how I'm used to it. You're imagine, absolutely right. Imagine wearing that for seven or eight hours. I can see why you probably would do this more. Yeah. Maybe you just have more, more, more control over it. But going back to what you, you, were, you were saying about that and the technology available today, how do you guys even process the social media, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, or Twitter's a whole different story, but this is something that a lot of artists are doing now. And to see these young kids, 10, 11, 12 years old, oh, that make these dance videos on TikTok, we won't get into how they do their algorithm, but right. to see them do that <laughs> and as a way to express them, themselves, like how does that... How do you use that technology there and try to use it to better a brand? When you're speaking to, to a lot of young kids who their attention span is like half of a second. If it doesn't catch them, you know, catch them there, then they're not even paying, paying attention. Well, to be honest with you, Mike, I'm still a sponge trying to absorb as much knowledge in social media management. I mean, I'm, I'm an example of a person who's like, I can't get on social media every single day. I, yeah, I don't even know where to begin in terms of posting, you know, mm -hmm. but I'm always researching. I'm always asking questions. I'm that person who will want to get other people's suggestions and recommendations in terms of social media. But it is motivating because you have various types of peoples with, with people with diff various types of talents that will put themselves out there and they're getting thousands and thousands of views even if it's the most minuscule post of like oh look at my dog just jumping up and down guess what it's getting 471,000 views <laughs> how do you do that right and as to what you you had said uh, we will never know what the algorithm is but the bottom line is is that for somebody my age who's still in the scene and who still believes that you know he's got the chops and could hang with any hip hop artist or R&B artist, um, you know, I still am a person who's like humbled and who bears his humility because I don't know what's out there the way a lot of the younger generation does. So I turn to them for more of that knowledge and to help me get through um, in putting my name out there in social media. 
but it is it's competitive and it's hard work i mean at least for me um there's so much to learn about it and i'm still taking baby steps well you know one thing with that is because these young kids nowadays are growing up with it where we didn't have it until we were in our 20s and we were still figuring the whole yeah, thing out. Absolutely not. Now they're 11, 12 years old and they're already on all these social media platforms. Yeah. One thing with artists specifically, like if you look at the bigger names like you know Kanye or whatever, all these artists that are well-known, Drake, right. and these young kids, especially like these young boys who want to emulate them and say, that I want I want his lifestyle, I want the cars, the women, the money, the whatever, the fame. Right. Uh you know, how do you really get the message out there to the young kids that, hey, I know you see the lifestyle on stage, but that behind the scenes, even if you're making a lot of money, this is how the industry actually works. This is what you don't know about the big artists and the record labels and who they sign with and how much control maybe that these companies or corporations have over the individual artists. Uh, can you kind of elaborate on that and maybe why that might not be something that you would pursue or would you pursue because it is a bigger outreach? Again, it's not really within my thought process because I just go every single day recording and building momentum with other people who can put my name out there. Um, but it is a, a very capitalizing environment. And to even get to where I'm at at this point in time still is questionable. I, you know, Obviously, now the Asian market is more... Uh, marketable out there, especially when it comes to different types of demographic of music. But I think for me, it's just a matter of keeping uh, momentum in what you're doing, keeping with the times, keeping with the style, and really accepting constructive criticism. Mm. Um, I think that is one of the biggest factors. Sometimes it's hard to accept what it is that they're looking for. Uh, I'm one who's stubborn. So I'll listen to music. And I'm like, wow, that sounds exactly like another Bruno Mars sound, you know, or it sounds just like Drake. Why is somebody rapping and having the same tone the way Drake raps, you know? But the bottom line is it's formula. You know, you have to think mm -hmm. about what the formula is and what's lucrative upon global revenue. Um, and, you know, maybe the younger generation doesn't see it that way. And, they already know the type of algorithm. They know the type of data analytics that people are looking for. So they, they match themselves with exactly their expectations. How do they do it? It's still a mystery to me. Um, and I'm learning every single day. But overall, you know, you, you got to have, um, have tough skin in this industry. Right. And it's about if you're going to be one to capitalize, then you got to be, you know, tunnel visioned with that. And how is that going to work with different types of facets? You got to know your marketing. You got to know exactly what sound people are going to enjoy and people are going to be following. You got to know exactly the type of examples uh, based upon hooks, um, you know, catchy phrases that people are drawn to these days. Um, and you hear these types of examples with various types of artists who are out there, whether they're hip hop, R&B or pop, right? People are emulating one particular sound or one particular jargon mm -hmm. when they're singing their choruses or their verses or even ad-libbing that people catch on to, that the public catches on to. And I think that's what 
in my eyes, incorporates more following, more views, more listens. Well, that's a good point, because what age would you say you were at where you realized that this is, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this because I want to pursue this career and see it grow organically. It's hard to tell a young 18, 19, 20 year old who may have talent in the industry to not just do what the trends are, because that's the quickest way to get noticed. It's the quickest way to get right. money. So at what age did you say, I could do that if I wanted to play the game, but really I want to kind of follow my own path. When did that sort of click in your head? Uh, I'm probably thinking like, uh, you know, late 20s, early 30s is when I started to realize that I kind of wanted to venture off and, and, you know, incorporate my own style of sound um, without thinking too much about the the money grind of it gotcha. all. You know, I think it was more spreading the message so that people appreciate the music that I do. And not only that, they enjoy what I represent, you know, as an Asian artist, um, who I represent in my culture and the type of, the type of, you know, uh, definition of music that I'm providing out there Mm -hmm. because it's different. It's unique. Um, I started really, um, crossing over into that probably while when I was 28, like 28, 30 years old. Gotcha. Right? That? I think so. Yeah. Like without <laughs> having to think too much about, I want to be signed to a label. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to have this advance of at least half a million dollars, right? To work my own music. I started to think realistically upon who I am as an artist um, and what, can possibly be for me realistically at my, my late 20s for sure. Yeah, and I think also with um, kind of piggybacking on what he was saying about those who want that lifestyle, um, I think for the younger generation that is using these platforms to want to be the next Drake, it's like if you really want to be the next Drake, then do your research. Like, think about what he struggled to get to where he's at. Because there's a lot that isn't presented. It's just their success that you see, right? But you don't know the struggles that Drake went through, Kanye went through to get to where they're at now Mm -hmm. and how financially stable they are or even what their stability is now. There's an artist, Toni Braxton, who was extremely successful and then she went through bankruptcy. Do these kids know that? No, right. right? It's like they don't know the struggles, the background of it. So I would suggest do your research of the artist that you think that you want to be or the artist you want to be, right? Mm-hmm. Because that that will portray what your success is going to be in the future depending on how you want to roll with it, what you want to do. Um, and then, of course, with Johan saying I had to develop my own sound um, and it wasn't about the money, I think that's the biggest thing. The success will come. Will come, mm-hmm. exactly. Don't think about how much money you're going to make with the talent you have and be careful of how you think that way because somebody who has that mentality can take you, create a success, and destroy you. This industry can be amazing, but like every industry, it can also 
have some turmoil. Yeah. Okay. So you have to be smart about the success that you want to be in a performer's industry. You have to remember that you can all, you're always in control of it always. Mm -hmm. And if you have that mentality, your success will blossom. It will flourish the way you might not expect it to be. And when you know that there's going to be possible recognition, uh, recognition, <laughs> the bottom line is, you know, when that's going to happen, make sure that you own 100% of your rights. Like, exactly. oh, if you it's do, yeah. so easy. It's so easy for somebody else to license your music. It's so easy these days, but you've got to recognize that, you know, this is the reality and people can sometimes be crooked in the industry. The one f big factor in terms of why this could potentially be successful is your work. Mm -hmm. It's your product. It's all the hard hours that you've worked in the studio from 12 p.m. all the way to like 4 o'clock in the morning. I mean, that's hustle. The... Everybody says it's a grind, right? To get your work out there. It's absolutely true. It's 100% yeah. true. It is nights of not sleeping, right? It is um, sacrifices. You take, you pull yourself away. It is, you know, saying, oh, I can't make it to this because I have to do this project. I mean, there was times when he would turn down gigs because he said, I got, I have a deadline. I have to, right. you know, it's because... And it wasn't about, you know, it was more in the sense of like, I already told the producer that I would get this done and I want to make sure that I am, you know, um, loyal to them about it, mm -hmm. right? Because when you're working with somebody else, it's their time too. Yeah. So you have to respect that. That's another word, respect. Have respect in the industry. Have respect for yourself. Have respect for others that you're working with because you get... That's how you get your foot in the door. Well, and, uh, and that's thing, the opportunities. Another thing, too, is understand the logistics, right? If you are going to be collaborating with a producer and two other artists, make sure that you all come together cohesively and understand what those splits are going to be. Not like one person is getting 80% and you're only getting 20%, yeah. right? That's why there's so many uh, associations like ASCAP, BMI, SOCAN um, that represent the core of artists so that when you generate those splits, it will split automatically divided into what was agreed upon within the party. You know, one thing that I've heard from you, and this is something that we were talking to Joey about earlier. By the way, there are daughters in the, in the back of the studio here. <laughs> so you see Joey? us looking, there she is. Uh, Shout out to Joey. Is that when we were younger in our 20s, so this is going back into like early, late 90s, early two, 2000s time there. Right. You know, we still had a different mindset before social media came up. You still thought that by the time you graduated college-ish, around 23 years old, that that's when your life's supposed to take off. You're supposed to get this big salary job. You're supposed to, this is when you was that TV show Sex in the City that, that right. came out around at that same time that once you go, you're going to go to the big city, you're right. going to make it, get this great career, and then life's going to go on from, from there. And then what we're talking about now and what we were telling, telling her is that I didn't figure my act out till I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s. And same thing for you. When it sort of clicked that this is an industry that 
it can be cutthroat. Mm-hmm. I know my style of music, and it really is not about money at this point. It's really about putting out the product that I want to push out there. Right. But if you were 21, it's so easy, or 19, to chase the money, to chase the fame, because especially, I think, for guys, it's a little bit, bit different. Right. At that age, it's kind of you want the flash. You want that attention, right. because that's how you get the respect from other guys. The attention from women is how much you can sort of put that image out there. We get into our late 20s and early 30s, things start to change. I don't need the big expensive car anymore. That's a lot of maintenance, a lot of payments. Right. Oh, actually, you know what? Maybe it doesn't really matter if I'm signed to that big bad boy label or whatever it is exactly. because they have a lot of control over what I produce and they take a lot of the revenue. How much I get is actually about this much. Yeah. Maybe it is about taking time to develop your, yourself in. I just see so many people in their in their 20s doing the same thing that I did. It's just worse for them because everybody has a degree now, so how do you stand out? Yeah. Everybody wants to be on TikTok or whatever, so how do you stand out from the rest of the crowd? And you realize as you develop your skills over time and that patience, then when you get into your late 20s, early 30s, that's when you start to shine. It's like the idea of compound interest. Mm-hmm. You put money away now and you just don't see a move, move, all of a sudden it goes up slowly and then it starts to really pick up 10, 15 years later. Right. Mm-hmm. When they tell you, hey, invest in your 401k, mm-hmm. it's going to grow, but you watch it for five years, like it's not doing anything. They lie to me the whole time. <laughs> and then 15 years later, like, oh, there's that big jump. Yeah. yeah. All that time and investment. So the patience and the whole idea of figuring out what you want comes later in life. Yeah. It's hard. The industry, you can either be recognized real easily, real fast, and get work every every opportunity. And then there's, you know, times when it's slow and it doesn't happen. Um, I think you just have to keep an open mind. Um, if you're going to continue and thrive in this industry, um, you know, be humble, really, right? Because... Um, and be grateful and thankful for the work that you get and that you're able to utilize your talent and to share your talent. I think that's what a lot of artists forget sometimes. You are blessed with a talent, so share it, okay? And and remember that that talent can be automatically taken away, mm. okay? Yeah. So when you are in the moment of your success, let's say it's the success now, um, enjoy every minute of it, yep. okay? Because hmm. like anything, it can be taken away. Or you'll. this might be your only success of it, right? Um, and I would say, have something to fall back on, whether or not it is something that you choose to continue with later down the line, but at least you have something to fall back on to say, okay, if I'm kind of, if I'm not getting work right now as, you know, an actress, um, I could just do this for now. But don't forget to continue to stay on top of it. I think with this industry too, because there's so many young artists that are being recognized and um, getting the roles, you know, I mean, when I'm watching, like I watch the Golden Globes and I'm like, I don't know who that artist is. I don't know who that actress. I don't have access to that stream to watch their show, you know. They're always, like they're looking for new faces all the time in this industry. Rightfully so, right? But if you want to continue in this industry, then you you need to continue to put yourself out there, but always remember to have something to fall back on. Yeah, but know? at the same time, accepting 
the generation's expectations today because yeah. it's not we have to remember this is not 1993 anymore right this yeah. is not back when we were working in Bloomingdale's it's right like, vanilla ice days no anymore. it's not <laughs> I mean there is so many expectations within this industry whether you're an actor whether you're a musician it, it it becomes cutthroat and you just have to accept the fact that okay if you're going to put yourself out there consider those things consider those factors and try it out you know if you don't know then somebody in your family some close friends will know how to put yourself out there in social media i've been quite humbled you know asking questions and yes i would you know made be made fun of being oh you don't know how to use instagram dorothy does that all the time with me but the bottom line is how will you know if if you don't take other people's advice or if you don't ask you'll never know if you don't ask and so i've been quite humbled by asking joey you know and asking dorothy how to take advantage of social media as an artist as somebody who's trying to get their projects out there um but you have to that's absolutely right dot you have to be humbled mm -hmm. of everything that you do because you know you've got this gift you've got this voice and you want to spread this message and there's a higher power who's giving you the opportunity to do that now go out there and do it where do you start off with it starts with the music mm -hmm. you know and it starts with your passion once you can you know flaunt your passion to the public whoever those 100 people or 1 million people will be that's up to you know that's up to you to manifest and and decide how many of those followers followers would come through but at the end of the day you always have to be humble with the type of music that you're putting out and spreading positive messages rather than just sex drugs and rock and roll you the know whole metallica I mean? you know oh not metallica gosh. was it motley crude yeah. yeah yeah I exactly mean, don't get us wrong we had our moments of partying you know um when we were younger we remember coming home at four o'clock in the morning sleeping until days. like two in the afternoon gosh, that doesn't even exist nope. with us anymore yeah and then coming back at, you know waking up at two o'clock in the afternoon and then saying okay well we got to get ready for the show and then having your first meal of the day and then working from eight to eleven and then partying yeah. again it's like it was our routine when we were younger it, and it was yeah there was memorable moments um there was also scary moments but luckily we survived and um, I, you know, the things that we share to our daughter in the sense of like what it was like, because she asks us every once in a while, you know, what was that experience like? What was it? Because um, for her, she, she lived a normal family life, okay, mm -hmm. compared to what we lived in her age. So her, her curiosity of how we came about and how we succeeded now there's a huge difference and we share certain um experiences with her so that she understands where we're coming from but also how we function as a couple what got us to this point you know um so all of that plays into what our experience was for her um but yeah i think for those young 
kids who are developing in the industry and have a better understanding of it, you know. Um, I think just keep an open mind of what you're learning and also don't be afraid to collaborate and support one another. That's the other thing I think that kind of is missing in, in today's generation when it comes to um, the industry, right? When you're in the family of of the industry, remember to, yeah, respect one another, but also um, support one another. Mm. Because you never know if the support you have from that person might be also an, an opportunity for another job. Spot on. You know? So, and, and that's Spot something on. that you have to consider. Don't be selfish. Don't be like, well, I'm, you know, I'm better than her or, you know, oh, that person has the it factor, so I'll never be like them. It's like, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't, don't flip out do the uh, director, walk yeah. off stage and oh, say, yeah. you suck. And then you, then next thing you know, they're directing the play that you want to be in. And it's like, ah, oh, hey. Surprisingly gotta, enough, there are people who are jaded like that, yeah. who feel they're oh, entitled to, to make comments yeah. like that. Uh, with us, again, you know, even if it's not within the circle of our family, throughout the years, yes, there was a lot of struggle, right, within the entertainment industry and what reality was. And coming out here to the Bay Area, I got the taste of reality, right? Mm -hmm. And so part of that was acceptance, was it was accepting the fact that, hey, you're going to have to settle for a nine to five job. Unpack that reality a little bit more, because that's a good point that you brought up about how this is where the industry was, where I'm at. I come over here to the Bay Area and then sort of life hits me in the face. What does mm -hmm. that really mean? I'm very fortunate. I'm really fortunate that at least I had the opportunity to get a taste of reality. But most importantly, um, Dorothy and I are really fortunate of establishing some great friendship. Coming here, I started off working in retail, working in Bloomingdale's, and then growing in Bloomingdale's, like from being in Stanford to the city, I mean, with you. Mm. And so we grew together, right? Seeing um, our late relationship blossom to building relationships with other people that worked in that corporation. And uh, to have that support because they knew I was a musician, right? Mm. And so with that, I was fortunate of, of establishing great friends that are still close with us today, even if we haven't seen each other for 10 years. Mike, mm -hmm. it's like we've seen each other yesterday. I want to also add in, in that sense so people understand our struggle. We, Joey was a baby. And um, because we passed up an opportunity that could have been a success for us, decided to come back to California. I'm from California, okay? I, I don't think I, I mentioned that in this interview, but I'm from California. So coming back to the Bay, it was never in our plans, honestly. We wanted to stay in the East Coast, but we were brought back to California for a project on Johansen that didn't develop the way we thought it would. Mm. So we were forced to figure out, okay, well, I think the word would be survive. How are we going to survive, mm. right? right. Um, as a couple, as a young couple that doesn't have any education background, like we didn't have degrees. You were about 25, 26? Mm -hmm. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. 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 And a newborn. 
And a newborn. <laughs> yes. Wow. So it's like, okay, so I think retail at that point was the easiest way to get a paycheck mm-hmm. while trying to figure out what are we going to do to survive and put food on the table, keep a roof over our house, our heads, right? Mm-hmm. So that was um, our struggles. And it was a struggle for a lot of years. And people who've grown with us, um, when we moved back, know what kind of struggles we went through. And I think the great thing about our family, our um, extended family, meaning not just blood-related, but also friends, and those that we've met throughout the years that still remains friends with us, they've always supported us. Always. I don't think there's ever been a time that we've lived our lives in California where we um, gone through our list of friends to ever say, oh, we're no longer friends with them. Like we've never eliminated people out of our lives. I think we've, we haven't talked for a while, but when we reunite, it's like the best, the best thing in our lives. Because we always remembered, you know, you were part of our lives once, right? Throughout our years of struggle. And so therefore, you are part of our success now. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it, right? So, um, And that's for each and every one of us, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, we're all a substance of examples now of what we're doing. We came, even before going to Bloomingdale's, I mean, we, we really didn't know what we were doing in each other's lives. But, of course, having the opportunities in, in working uh, in retail, I feel has definitely built growth um, of responsibility, of just manning up, of being realistic, but also, you know, just being humble. That sometimes you have an opportunity where you're, you get a gig that pays you six figures, and then all of a sudden, guess what? Your contract is done, and this is exactly what you have to settle. But we're blessed to have that opportunity. Um, but if there is one thing that is ever so genuine with both Dorothy and I. It's how we establish our friendships with people. Dorothy is a big example because, you know, she's had a core of friends for so many years and she is one who always stays consistent in keeping in touch. Mm -hmm. Always stays consistent. And that's one thing that I admire about her Mm. is that she has established great relationships with those who have supported her along the way, whether it was good or bad times. Um, She will never, ever forget the core friendship that she has with each and every one of the people that she's associated with throughout the years. So uh, it's, it's about genuine friendship and the support that they reciprocate back to you because it keeps us going it keeps us complete yeah and and because um i grew up in a big family even though i'm an only child but i always appreciate the people that are in my life from childhood till now or Mm -hmm. even if i've met you like three months ago you know i always learn from them because um there's always you always have to know uh, learn something new right so um, and if you're going to learn something new, why learn? You know, you can learn from the people that you trust and that you create friends with because you just never know. You know? That's true. Um, but I, I am 
I always tell that to Johan and I always tell that to Joey. When you establish your friends, the true ones that stick with you for X amount of years, they're the ones that will never judge you. They're the right. ones that will always support you. Um, and luckily, I've always had those friends in my life that I can go to whether I haven't talked to them in years and they will always have their door open. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really comforting to know. And, and this is an example for many of the younger generation today because, of course, they yearn for that affection. They yearn for people to accept them. Um, and, and I just want to pass this over to many of those of my daughter's age, including my daughter, that you don't need a slew of friends to accept you as long as you have one or two friends who support you 150% and who has your back and appreciates you genuinely for who you are. That's all that matters, you know? And I think that is one thing that Dorothy and I always, uh, you know, uh, bring up that subject up to our daughter is that, you know, I know that it gets tough when you don't have a clique of friends who want to follow you or who appreciate you. But guess what? You have two of the most genuine individuals who are, you know, who definitely have values, who have morals and who care. And who mm-hmm. like you unconditional, like has an unconditional Because friendship. of who you are. Because of who because you of are. Because of who you are. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And I think for us, um, so being a performer... Obviously, you play different roles. So the genuine of your own being is the truthfulness of what a relationship can develop into. Right. Yeah. Right? It's so true. So it's like, for me, I've always told Johan, I can't be fake. I just can't. And if I, if I have to be fake towards somebody, then forget it. I can't be in the room with them because that's not me that's not who i am you know i'm very genuine it's obvious it it can be very obvious if you know um so be your true self and we're not drawn to people like that oh i I can't i can't well that's good i mean this is good advice to pass on the younger generation i want to get into what you're doing now in your project but i want to ask you first because i'm not really sure are you still active in the performing industry or you pretty much have hung up the acting cleats if you will and said okay i'm doing something different how have you transitioned with that yeah um so I'm no longer a dancer dancing was in my background for so many years I was dancing since I was three and um unfortunately due to um a skiing accident it limited me to continue to um not necessarily be the dancer that I wanted to be but as a performer, well-rounded performer, you definitely had to have a strong background, as we noted in the beginning. So I hung up my dancing shoes a while back. But um, the singing part of my performing background, I still do. So occasionally I'll sing with the bands that Johan sings with, um, given opportunities from our friends who um, you know, created their own band. So it, that gives me a platform to continue to to utilize my talent um so that is where i still continue to perform um but when it comes to theater um doing um ensemble work i can't say yet that i've hung up 
my shoes with that. That still comes up every once in a while to, you know, think of like, can I still do that? I know I still can, but again, you think about like, well, who am I going to be up against if I were to go for an mm. audition, right? Do it. But I think the way I kind of look at it now is I can <laughs> be a mentor to those who want to do the, want to go into the industry. So I look at more in the sense of if you want advice from a professional, I can be that. And that's how I can utilize my performing skills to help the gen- the next generation of like how to best be that unique performer to stand out. That I can do. But I exercise my um, performance if I have the opportunity. And I'm teaching myself to say yes more than to shy back and say, no, it's not. I don't no, not. You know. Say that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, he encourages me more because he knows the potential that I have because he, he's the one. They, my family hears me at home. Mm-hmm. So he pushes me more and says, why don't you do it? And it's like, oh. <laughs> I mean, you have that talent still within you. It doesn't go away. And no. it would, I mean, honestly, if you try to just subdue it all the way and say, that's part, that's my whole life. I'm done with it. You'd probably still have that itch somewhere else. And if you don't actually fulfill it, you know, through your talents that you've had, and then it can lead you into a darker path, which nobody wants to be in, you know? Right. So right. to be able to have that, that support to say, you know what, I'm still going to go out there and perform this way. Or I still want to go and, give back to the younger generation in a different way. Maybe I don't travel with, you know, with the, with the, with the, ever, whatever the show is like I used to, but I can still do things another way and still have that balance in your life between being a mother, a wife, and still a performer and doing everything else that you do normally. You still have that with you. So that's a big thing. Yeah. Right. And here's the thing. It is very easy for a performer to go into a dark place if you haven't gotten the opportunity or haven't worked in such a long time. Okay. Um, so for me, during COVID, what I actually did was I turned to the music ministry in my church and I utilized my talent that way. You don't have to have a huge stage to continue to sing or to show off your talents or to share your talents in that sense. Mm-hmm. Just find somewhere, a community that is similar. Um, and that's what I did. And I'm extremely content with that. I love it. It gives me the opportunity to meet new people, to sing the music that I love to sing, to keep exercising my voice. And that's really what it is, you know? So at the age that I'm at, I don't have to be the performer that I used to be back in the day to be able to continue the success with my music. I am not a creative writer like my husband. That is his expertise, and I support him on that because he's very unique at what he does. And um, what he does ask of me, though, is like, how does this sound? What do you think? Like, we work well together in the sense of him sharing, like, you know, me being his best critic, right? I think that's where I come in to help assist him in the industry. Because he knows my performing level. He knows how I critique a performer, a sound. I I still can watch these YouTube videos and 
we will talk about it. We'll have discussions of like, what do you like about this artist? You know, there's this one um, specific recording artist by the name of Yeba that we both fell in love with. And it's like, oh my gosh, she is truly amazing. Um, Just a natural talent, yes. only. So we'll have these deep discussions and, and talk about artists that we we uh, find and, and um, you know, we'll just dissect their work, mm-hmm. right? Bottom um, line. But we have great discussions about it because it's, as performers, it's still something that we do. So yeah. I think for with that being said, yeah, you know, I, I have found other outlets to utilize my talents. That's there you excellent. Go. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so now, Johan, now, so talk about specifically your latest album that came out and sort of what your sort of kind of like the vision that you have for how you're performing now and how you're how you just absorb everything as far as going out there to perform and how you figured out what your talent is. We're not talent specific, but like more your your genre of it. How do you talk about that? Well, throughout the years, um, just being so involved with hip hop and R&B, I always wanted to maintain uh, that sound because naturally that's what comes out of me Mm -hmm. as an artist is soulful R&B. Um, I was very much influenced by the Donny Hathaways, the Stevie Wonders, the Prince, Michael Jackson, and, you know, neo-soul artists such as D'Angelo and Yeba Smith, um, that I wanted to continue my path of providing R&B music today um, that still has that old school flavor. Um, And so I would incorporate that with whoever I'm collaborating with in production Mm. um, and songwriting, right? And so I've been blessed to to definitely collaborate with some great Bay Area artists and producers. Dom Brady is an example. Uh, C. Keys, um, Mikael, um, you know, the whole Illmind crew, right? Uh, they've just been absolutely helpful in giving me a platform to share my music. Um, Kuya Productions, I always pay homage to because they're my brothers. Um, and that's where we started off, you know, in Miss Saigon, creating amazing music and still having that motivation to continue on collaborating with anybody else. And they've always been supportive with that. Um, so now we have a couple of great singles collaborating with hip hop artists that are out in all music platforms from Spotify to Amazon Music to Tidal to Apple Music, so it's out there. Um, I released a single called Old School and it just became uh, this thing where it it built continuity from single to single. And I worked my way in in, uh, releasing um, Clocks, which is another single that just released probably early January, I suppose, right? Or Mm -hmm. no? Yeah, this year. This year. Um, And then... And then, of course, a few cameos with C. Keys, um, with Mikael, all produced by Don Brady. And, um, and, and I think that is the magic to it, is mm-hmm. that if you have those who are real with you and who just appreciate you as a vocalist, then, uh, you know, the amount of singles that you release out there is endless. And they motivate me 
in wanting to continue to release more and more and more music. Mm. Uh, right now, I'm just planning out my my album because I, I my vision of my album is to completely make it as you know uh, tasteful, classic, with a little bit of edge. Um, I always want to remember my urban roots, mm-hmm. so I add that style into it. But I also want to always uh, bring that R&B sound. Um, even though people can be judgmental about R&B, I believe in R&B. I believe that that's where music comes from. That's where the growth of gospel comes from, is rhythm and blues. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and so why not express that vocally with music today um, and get people drawn by the style of music that I do. There's yeah. a lot of swag to it, a lot of soul, a lot of style, yeah. <laughs> a lot of collaborations in the hip hop scene. So I'm gonna continue to do my very best in releasing that style of sound. So with that, what are like some of the politics that go into making an album? I mean, you hear about the big records and they take like three years to make one artist release an album. I'm sure there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes, but when you make an album, is it just simply I'm making a bunch of songs and I put them together, here you go, or are you creating a theme or and like they're supposed to flow a different way? How does that work? So there's supposed to be a particular sound, right? And with that, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same complete sound on your second track as long as it has that key signature uh, that key signature style that you're looking for and with me what it comes down to is my voice at the end of the day it's the type of riffs that I do uh, based on feeling emotion how I'm conveying and executing vocally Um, and and that will always maintain I don't ever want to rely on any digital format like auto-tune you know when people are just completely so dependent of it that's not who i am and luckily enough still till this day i work with so many great producers and they say the same thing like why do you need auto-tune there is no sense for you to utilize any type of auto-tune with your voice because you have that raw natural vocals Mm. that we that people have lost um in such a long time so to still maintain that with my performance um, on stage with Sold Out and a few gigs with D Groove, um, I still want to bring that to the lab, you mm. know, when I'm recording, and so that people can recognize that, oh, that's Joe Rasp, that's Johan singing. I could hear his voice, I could hear his raspiness, I could hear his style of riffs mm. that he do. Like, I want that to be recognizable throughout my journey as a musician. That's your signature sound. Yeah, that's my signature sound. That's awesome. Is this auto-tune the equivalent of that face filter that you see on Instagram where it's like you you put yourself on the camera and it, like, makes your face, like, skin perfect and, like, you're, like, this, you know. But vocally. Yeah, but vocally. It's the same thing. Like, you could hear yourself through this auto-tune and you sound like like, the best things in life. Right, then someone goes out and hears you in real life. Like, wait a minute. Is that the same guy that was just... uh, it, yeah. just, it just, you know, avoids from you challenging yourself to make a note perfect, uh, right? Okay. So they'll utilize, they'll manipulate your voice to pitch mm-hmm. within an auto-tune app. Mm. So that's what they would do is that they would utilize this particular feature in order to properly pitch your voice. That's what it initially is for. But then a lot of people like to have that flamboyant sound like T-Pain. I was going to say, is that that you T-Pain? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's... 
and and some of Kanye West's albums, like you can hear that auto tune so obviously, you know, and it's well, and you can't, I can't, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I think also a lot of um, these days, a lot of um, recordings have auto tune because you know when you're recording, it's a lot of money. Yeah. And if you don't know how to record properly, it could be hours on one track, like, you know. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes um, engineers choose to use autotune because it's like, well, we'll just autotune you so we can fix that. Let's move on. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it's a quick fix, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not as time consuming. Yeah. Gotcha. So with him being a natural raw talent, because... And also what's helped him is his musical theater background in the sense of like how to take care of your voice, how to utilize your voice, how to sing properly. Mm -hmm. Now, again, all of these young kids who think that, you know, um, these uh, singers who have success have not, they don't know their background of how they gradually got there. They just think, oh, I have a voice. I could sing. I could sing like that. It's like, no. Yeah, that takes a lot of work. There's a lot of work behind it. There's a process And there's also ways, there's going to be a lot of sacrifice. If you are a vocalist, in the very beginning um, parts of being a recording artist, you have to not party so much. You have to protect your voice. There's a lot of things that you have to change that these singers, these young kids, they don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, so they strain their voice because they don't know how to properly sing they um so so auto-tune comes into play because some of these recording artists that these people think that they can make money off of can easily use that app to make their millions wow look at that i had no idea that was even a thing but but in the rough stages when you listen to that voice right it's either two things it's number one Right, you didn't work so hard to try to get that note, and you relied on that filter. Or number two, it's kind of like I'm just going to use a bit of it, but I know that with my natural voice, I can carry it. Just give me a chance, give me some time. I'm willing to consume the time to make it perfect. And that that was my frame of thought, right? When I'm recording behind the studio, like in the recording booth, I. Over and over and over and over again. I'm a very meticulous person when it comes to particular harmonies, segments of the verses, the bridge, so on and so forth, and the choruses that I'm willing to do vocal. Like I'm not dependent of that filter, that it's all about my voice. And that's what people have to remember me by Mm -hmm. is that natural quality of voice rather than, oh, he'd put auto-tune there. Because it's so obvious. So he has a trained ear and he can determine in his recordings of every vocal part what is off, what is not, what's in sync. Like that is part of, you know, what a sound engineer does. So when he's recording, he does it all. He is that, he is everything, right? When it comes to his work. So when you're listening to the final project or, you know, song, that's all him. That's all of his work. It's not just the vocals. It's, you know, um, creating the melody, creating the harmony, creating the lyrics, you know, um, trying to piece everything together. And that's a puzzle also. That's a whole different side 
of what him as an artist. So I could say he's a very well-rounded recording artist because these days recording artists don't even do what he does. And don't get me wrong. Yes. I invite auto-tune, Mike. Like, I mean, in places that I feel is necessary. necessary. If I wanted it to definitely build a nuance like Zap and Roger right or like um you're like looking at me like i like i don't know like you know <laughs> the old school 1970s sound where they had that vocoder then of course i will invite that you know auto tunes to come in to certain segments of the song uh like for instance old school right that was my first single that came out uh back in 2022 just last year and I invited putting in a type of vocoder effect at the very end. And it was so effective and people enjoyed that. And they're like, oh my gosh, you got that Zap and Rogers sound at the very end. That's so cool. That's so West Coast. And I'm like, that's the reason that was what I intended that last segment of the song to be so that you can envision that old school style of sound, right? Not yeah. to sound like T-Pain or to sound like Kanye West, but to envision what classic uh, vocalists used to use when it used to be a vocoder rather than an auto-tune. You're right. That sound that was from a di different age that you just don't hear anymore, there's, this, there's that classic sense to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, this is that's that's pretty interesting. I never would have thought of it that way. Uh, just so you know, that's this is how easily conversations can go. We're almost at the two hour mark here. That's oh, how yeah. things can flow. Yeah, everybody says that who's sitting in that chair. It's been that long because you get into it and yeah. it gets exciting. Yeah, uh, this is a. Do you care to know what the score was? Should we ask your? <laughs> yeah, <what's the laughs> she's score? not smiling. Should I we know. ask? Oh, uh, uh, so do we want to know? There's a reason. Do, do we want to know? That's the question. Know? Yeah, do let's, wanna, let's uh, find on. out. Mike is about to oh, reveal <laughs> the score between Philadelphia Eagles. All right, game is over and 31 <laughs> 7 Philly. <gasps> so we're out. Yeah, you guys are out. Oh. I'm a Raider fan, so yeah. I'm like, See, I remember me. you being a Raider fan. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I don't think this game is going to be as important well, to yeah. Mike. <laughs> but thank you guys for coming out. I know we, we scheduled this before the NFC Championship game, but yeah. no, to still cool. be able to feel this whole thing out has been awesome. What I really got out of this, honestly, was just how you guys are able to, you know, work through, you know, the challenges that, that can come being in a relationship in these kinds of industries because you always hear of, like, the, the big media people, like, they're so successful, but it's hard for them to balance a relationship and that communication, how important that is. When you guys were maybe in an area where you could have easily have walked away from your, your talents, you said no. You continue to push through and the lessons that you learned from being able to say, it took me till I was in my late 20s, early 30s before it started to click and I really found out this is where I want to go. And you've, 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 you've gotten that nailed down. You've been able to say, Here's the path I want to do, and here's where I want to follow. Maybe I won't have the Drake's success, but you know I'm cool with that because yeah. this is my brand. I have control over it, and this is what I want to do. It's a um, it's it's a great thing, and it's a message that I hope that anybody who li listens to this gets out of it is that you know you're going to go through a lot of struggles. It can be a great career performing and music and recording, but there's also the the things that you don't see on TV that you don't hear about. The That's 12, right. 15 hours in the recording studio trying to get that thing right. And, you know, the traveling and the hours that you're actually practicing and performing and then the partying, the late nights, too, from like mm. 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. And oh, gosh, it's a I mean, we're there's a lot of times when I'll wake up and say, oh, my gosh, thank God I'm alive. I know. <laughs> Many a no, times really, I would look really, in the mirror. because it's you know, you don't realize um, 
you know, the things that you are um, blessed with and um, the opportunities. And sometimes when you forget and you take things for granted, you don't realize how lucky you are when you wake up the next day. But, um, you know, in closing with everything, I think what the trueness of what I got out of this is that because we are performing artists, I think art just in general, it, we're, we're thankful that we have this outlet and that we were able to have a success out of it and continue to, mm-hmm. truly, you yeah, know? Yeah, still do to this day. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what we, we are grateful for. So I definitely want to get your information out there so people can come and listen to your music and find out how to get you on Instagram. Before, I want to let everybody know if you're either listening on Apple or Spotify or you're watching on YouTube and you enjoyed the episode, please like it, subscribe to the channel. Leave me a comment on Apple or Spotify because believe it or not, that actually helps the listeners. This is a long podcast. Most of my episodes are. So the more positive reviews I get on there, the more people are going to take a chance and say, let's listen to what's going on here. I do have a Patreon page. If you enjoy the channel and you want to help to support it, I'll leave the link down below for my Patreon channel it helps keep keep it going it helps me uh, be able to buy things for the podcast and ultimately i want this thing to last for many years to come and so johan where's the best place to find you uh, where's the best place to find your music so i've got a couple of um songs and singles that are out there old school of course you could uh, you can definitely find it under my artist name joe rasp that's j-o-r-a-s-p in all music platforms from spotify Amazon Music and Apple Music. I also collaborate with some great hip hop artists from Boulevard to C Keys uh, to Mikael. Um, And of course, those singles are Come Back Around, Hold You, and Get With You. And they're all in all the music platforms necessary for you to listen to. So uh, please support Bay Area artists and Canadian artists by tuning in and uh, listening to some great Bay Area music, some great R&B hip-hop music. And just so that you know, it's spelled J-O, and then there's a space, R-A-S-P. And then old school is O-L apostrophe S-K-O-O-L. So just because people... Is that their Instagram handles, or is that the... No, that's the actual... If you search by song or by artist, and, you know, just because we've had some people message us and say, I can't find you, I'm doing it this way. And it's like, no, 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 you have to... Type it in this way. So just wanted right. to Well, I'll leave a link down there in yeah. the description, especially for your Instagram page. And if they go to your Instagram, you have the direct links there, correct? Exactly. Yes. It makes it easier. And one last thing, if you don't mind, Absolutely. Uh, Mike, if I can interject. Um, I perform across the Bay Area, usually at the 707 with Sold Out. That's S-O-U-L apostrophe D out, O-U-T. And um, our next gig will be in Vino Godfather performing um, if you'd like to know the dates and you're free to come on in, please go to Sold Out's Instagram or Facebook or even YouTube. And uh, it gives you a taste of exactly what we do with some great classic R&B music. Mm-hmm. So please join in fun. Uh, we would love your support. But at the same time, we'd love for you to have a great time with us. Perfect. I have a lot of links there to get on the, uh, the description page, so I'll make sure I get that done. If I miss one, if it's all linked on your Instagram, it's sure. easier to say, click the Instagram and then click here, and then yep. I can go get the things. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys for coming out Thank on a you. Sunday. It's starting to get dark now. That's that time of the year. Yeah. But this was a great conversation. We're going to have round two one day. And if you, by any means, if any of your... Uh, 
artist friends want to come on, I'd love, love to hear you know another that take would on be the awesome. Absolutely. Thank you definitely. for having us, Mike. Thank you. Absolutely. So much. Thank you so much, and thank you for everybody for watching and uh, listening, and thank you for your continued support of the show. And please make sure again you like and subscribe to the video and to the channel. And everybody, you have a good day. Thank you, guys. Thank you.